And to any of our uh, American friends listening, can you please also clarify something for us? The rest of the world knows that a tuner is a fish, uh, unless it's the guy who makes your piano sound right. So why do Americans have to say tuna fish? I don't know. I'm waiting for cards and letters. Okay. You do that, Prof, and let's move on. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt have been bringing you the world's best local and imported malts. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud supporters of Brews News. And this, as part of the Radio Brews News and Australian Brews News Network, is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and it is a welcome to pleasure back or the other way around. Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. G'day, Pete. Hey, listen, Matt, before we, before we start. Yep. Knock, knock. Who's there? Two. To whom? No. no. <laughs> so you're a prick. If you're gonna if you're gonna telegraph your jokes, you know you're not gonna. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have told you that one yesterday. <laughs> right, we'll no, okay. Uh, in, in joke for members of the um, Bruce News uh, Radio Bruce News Facebook page, um, there was a bit of um, mum and dad were fighting in front of the kids this week, but we won't. Uh, Bruce, we, we we won't turn the podcast itself into uh, an in joke. If you want to find out what that was all about, go join the. Um, Facebook group. But Prof, um, before we do start, um, I just wanted to have my own little um, starter. Um, just wanted to say congratulations on your beer as a conversation this week uh, with the guys from Big Shed Brewing. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah, no, they were really, as I say, gen- genuinely fun blokes and that was a great chance to to sit in their digs early in the morning. Um, as I say, there was obviously a bit of noise going on. There was a fair bit going on uh, with, it's a, it's a small unit, it's a, a small shed they're pumping it, they're squeezing every every drop of the, that they can out of it. And at the same time, these guys are trying to, to build a new brewery. Um, and and they're, they're guys that I'd wanted to catch up with because I, I just think I, my favourite brewers, I guess, are the ones who take the brewing of the beer very seriously, but but not necessarily much else. Yep. Um, and that's not to, to say that there isn't a role for, um, you know, getting involved in social justice issues or, um, you know, engaging a community and all that sort of thing. But I think it's important to remember that, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's just beer. You know, mm. it's not it's not rocket surgery. Um, as a, a manager that I learned a lot from in my uh, restaurant days, said, you know, look, at the end of the day, we're selling steaks, not saving lives. Um, do what you do, do well. And these guys, are, I think, are, are great examples of um, yeah, just <laughs> just kind of going in and saying, yeah, let's just have a crack. So, look, I, I thank you for that, your kind words, and I implore all our listeners to have a bit of a listen, particularly if you if you are one of the the many people who has, has been in the position of so many of today's great brewers, whose mates kind of talked them into starting a business. Um, there's some really good lessons there, but but they're not sort of in TED Talk form, and they're not sort of in um, you know MBA. Um, thesis form. No, but and that was the thing that struck me. It was really entertaining interview um, to, to start with. And you know, again, not being the one who conducted the interview, I actually got to sit back and enjoy it rather than focus on all the things you do when you're actually interviewing. Um, and so I got to actually listen to it. And you know, they were, no, normal speed or time and a half? You no, no, normal it? speed. I, normal I speed? do. Actually, we, we can come to that in, in mailbag. There has been a bit of interesting <laughs> feedback about the uh, double speed, but. Um, it was really interesting that those guys, um, as you said, really sort of laid back and casual, but at the same time, they've spent a lot of time thinking about who they are, what they're doing, what they want to be, um, which are all of the things that, you know, tick, 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 um, 
when, when you build your marketing plan and they've done all of that. But it was just done in a really, really um, enlightening but enjoyable uh, way. And uh, yeah, so look, just great chat. Really, I'd love to sit down and have a have a beer with those guys and pick their brains a little bit more um, at, at some stage. But uh, no, well, well done. Well, look, I think we probably do need to add South Australia to our Bruce News road trip schedule um, or, or, or wish list because uh, there are, there are there's some exciting stuff going on and and I think we could pull a great panel together perhaps for our South Australian listeners um, with uh, you know the big shed guys Jade from the weedy um, and there, there are a few other people there that we could sort of um, pull together to, to make a really interesting chat I think let's make it so done Matt uh, let's swing into the headlines there are a few this week but probably a few that we can kind of skim over give our listeners a little bit more insight into what's been going on during the week but there's not necessarily a lot that we sort of want to go into a a deep dive so we might uh, spend a little bit more time on uh, letters and talking about um, various other bits and pieces that are going on coming in leading into good beer week absolutely just just before we go on to the headlines one thing I realized that isn't in the show rundown is um, Gab's um brisbane's first gabs you were up here you were my house guest uh, yet again um and i, I look I, I thought it went off uh, very well prof for, for for a first crack i think they had five and a half six thousand somewhere around that um just under six thousand i think for yeah uh, and interestingly which is i and, and you can probably shed a little bit of light on this the inverse of of how most other gabs have have begun and then developed, which is the afternoon session. We had about a third more tickets sold than we did for the evening session. So I don't know, are, are, are Brisbaneites just not night outs, or do you say I'll do something in the afternoon and then you know watch the rugby league or the rugby union or go to a pub or something, or do you just all have an early Look. night because the sun comes up so goddamn <laughs> early? Yeah, and, and, and you'll fades wake our up curtains. And shit the bed at four um, o'clock. Well, no, and look, at risk of upsetting some of my uh, Brisbane co-residents, Brisbane is a little bit different to, to, to Melbourne. Um, we do seem to very much have a early morning breakfast culture, um, which leaves us wanting to go to bed um, you know, late at night. Um, <laughs> earlier at night. Uh, sorry, earlier earlier at night. But uh, yeah, no, look, and, and Brisbane is, and whenever these things roll into town, like you, you, you live in your city and you don't think too much about it. Um, but you know, there, there are times that I look at, you know, Brisbane is hell-bent on creating a laneway culture, um, which just does my head in. Because you, know, um, you, know, you, you know what you lack, Matt? You, you lack the laneways. That is, well, <laughs> Brisbaneites go down, they love the laneway culture, they see the vibe and they sort of see how cool it is um, and think, well, that's what Brisbane needs. But you know, there is a reason that these things develop you know, in, in their yeah. own little city. Um, and Brisbane isn't a cold, highly variable weather city. It's a subtropical city that you want wide open spaces and shaded areas and not air, air flow. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's, that's yeah. one of the things that I think that um, Felons, you know, does so well. It's like an enormous sprawling beer garden for a sub- subtropical community. It happens to be on the river as well. But um, you know, that whole Howard Smith Wharves development is very much what Brisbane is. Um, it's like one great big veranda. But you can't walk about ten meters without seeing eight taps of beer, which <laughs> <Yeah>. is great. <laughs> but the other thing about Brisbane is, if it risks rain, we don't go out. Um, and it's only something I've realised over the last few years. And there, there, there is always a reticence to pre-book anything that you can get tickets on the door or isn't likely to sell out because what uh, if it rains. Okay. So um, oh, okay, so you, you leave it to the last minute to check on the weather. 
Yeah, and we, we, which in one way is ridiculous for an event like Gabs because it is in an enormous hall. Um, but and, and look, I, I don't know. I've not seen any studies about this, but my view of it is from you know when you speak to people or things. If if it is raining in Brisbane. Um, it, it, it still tends to be quite humid and balmy, and putting a coat or a raincoat or something on is, is, is quite unpleasant. And then you don't have hospitality venues that have hooks for it, like if you've got a raincoat or if you've got an umbrella. Most places you know, aren't set up for that, and you invariably leave your, your umbrella and you sort of just think about the discomfort of even getting to, the, to it, um, which to, to anyone else sounds a little bit odd, but it is one of those just climactic things that I think shapes your mindset um, and you really need to be drawn outside if it's going to rain. Um, whereas in Melbourne, if you didn't go out when it rained, um, you would never go out, let's face it. Um, and yeah, everything is geared up around that. So look, I, I, I don't know um, whether that's whether those couple of factors have anything to do with the level of pre-sales and then whether the daytime session was more popular. But yeah, Brisbane is its own little place. I, I don't think it was that people um, didn't want to go out there. And also uh, the, the level of awareness outside of the craft beer community um, may not have been in its first year what it has been in Sydney and Melbourne um, you know, in, in subsequent years. No, for sure. And as it wasn't in Melbourne, Sydney and Auckland um, in those first couple of years, it really takes a while. But then when it takes off, it, it really does. And, and uh, shout out to all the guys, all the the, the, the build team, uh, the brewery team, all the volunteers, all the volunteer wranglers um, and to, to Steve, Guy, Craig Williams and Ruta. Um, Machinkas for all of their um, hard work in making it look so effortless. And I know how much work it takes to make something like Gabs look. And I, and I, and I really, I, I, I pull back at calling it you know, a product, but at the end of the day, it's, it, 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 it is. It's, um, and it's something that's been transplanted beautifully into Brisbane, worked really well. Um, it, it's planned like a military operation in terms of the things happening, but it's a little bit, I was describing it to a mate yesterday, it's a little bit like a flash mob. Like you just say, oh, geez, I wasn't expecting that. And something has just unexpectedly happened. You don't kind of consider just how much work goes into making that look like it wasn't meant to happen. And that's what Gabs is like with the entertainment, with the the, the free seminars, the, um, the Ariston food stage, uh, the roving band, the performers, all, and then the, the brewery uh, staff themselves just make it just a... It's just an experience, and it's um, for anyone who hasn't been, um, get your tickets now. Absolutely, and now it wasn't in the show notes, but I am catching up with uh, Craig um, from Gabs just to have a quick five-minute uh, catch-up about his take on it. So we might, um, without having you part of it, we might insert that now, Joe. Craig Williams, welcome to uh, Good Brews Week. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. No, no troubles at all. Now we couldn't quite get you on to chat during the. Uh, podcast but uh, we're, we're going to slot this slot this in but maybe you can sort of give us a uh, quick report on gab's first outing in brisbane yes thanks mate it's um and it was great to see you there as well um look we're absolutely thrilled with our kind of first hit out in brisbane i think um uh you know overall what we're really concerned about is you know we want to make sure that we put our best foot forward and put on a really great show and uh, i think we did just that i think um, we introduced a lot of new elements this year um which will then bring to Melbourne and Sydney and Auckland and so on, but uh, a lot of those were sort of just for the listeners. What 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 were they just uh, just for the listeners who who weren't there? Well, basically for this for this year, Gabs Brisbane is kind of um, it's a it, for our first year there. We've really put together sort of a slightly cut down version of the Melbourne and Sydney events. So instead of 
kind of three container bars and 180 festival beers and ciders. We went with two containers, slightly smaller uh, venue, which has the, the opportunity to grow, um, and, uh, and fewer exhibitors. So in Melbourne and Sydney, we'll have sort of up to 68 exhibitors. In Brisbane, we kept it to around 45, 46. Um, it's much more, much more similar to our Auckland event, uh, which is, again, in a smaller venue. But some of the new elements we brought in, um, we brought in a central stage, uh, which is right in the heart of the, the venue. Uh, and on that, we were able to um, stage a number of quite uh, comical and uh, theatrical performances throughout the session. So we had uh, the Fat Yak Rib Attack. I missed that. I did see the tins, the um, the, the the Bolter Tin Pinata. Tin, yeah. Well, the Rib Attack was kind of one of those things. Um, you know, Yak Ales, they've always had an affinity with barbecue. And uh, we came up with this concept and it was a bit sort of, um, we weren't sure how it was going to go, but... The idea of having four contestants on stage, an MC, and um, basically who can eat a rack of ribs uh, the fastest, it turned into uh, such a hilarious um, activation. There was a huge crowd around it, and um, to the point where I think it was all made in the first moment when we introduced the first competitor who uh, proudly stood up and introduced, introduced herself as Catherine the Rib Destroyer. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then I knew we, had it, we were onto a winner there, but... Um, so that we had the Bolter Tignata. We had a much bigger circus program this year as well. Uh, circuses and gabs have always kind of gone hand in hand, but uh, this year we've decided to take it up another notch again. Um, yeah, so a lot of fun and games, a lot of atmosphere. Um, oh, and I shouldn't forget the, um, the silent disco as well. So uh, <laughs> this year we've... It's, it's, you laugh at it, but it's, um, <laughs> just... it's, it's one of... It's one of our favourite things, and we 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 didn't do it one year. We took the silent disco away, I think, two two three years ago, uh, and Gab's punters were up in arms about it, demanding the disco be brought back. So, um, but this year we've brought in a giant sort of an eight metre long neon boombox disco truck, uh, which looks incredible. Um, so you've got these kind of hundreds of people all just you know moving to their own rhythm. Um, in front of this disco truck, it's uh, it's a great way to bring the session home. Yeah, look, I I, I get it. I get it from the uh, you know the, the outsiders who are looking in. I just don't know why anybody gets up. Uh, it, you couldn't do it at an event that didn't have alcohol. Uh, and that's why we um we definitely start the silent disco uh, in about the last hour and a half of <laughs> the session. And and it's a great way. You know, we want to we we take RSA very seriously. We want to keep people, you know, obviously having a good time, but we want to give them lots of incentive to get up and move around. Uh, and so on, and um, and just I mean on that as well, we had this year we we also brought in a new um, kind of activity called the Mountain Goat Trail, which was a um, uh, what we're building is the first ever scavenger hunt game ever played at a beer festival, uh, where basically people would get in teams of you know four, six, eight, uh, have their team name, and they'd be um, racing around the building, sort of taking on different you know silly photo challenges and videos and all sorts of stuff. Um, and I think for Brisbane, you know, we had probably 40 to 50 teams all doing that. And they were, the, the winners, I saw them at the very end, um, were absolutely thrilled. They said it was a, just a, a very different, unique way to experience a beer festival. And, um, and they won a lot of sweet prizes out of it too. Now, it, it, was, it must have been pretty uh, cool to see, you know, there were a, a few people travelling almost to see, to, to see how Brisbane compared to Sydney and uh, Melbourne. I saw a big contingent had come up from 
Sydney um, for, for, for that view. But how did you feel about people outside of the craft beer bubble? Do, do you think you, uh, you got those? And how did you go with your uh, um, audience pro- uh, projections overall? Yeah, look, um, I think we did. I think we did see, one, there were a lot of those people coming from interstate, and I've had a number of brewers who um, have contacted us afterwards and uh, and commenting that they were getting people up to the stand who said they'd made a weekend of it, come up from Melbourne or, or Sydney or wherever it might be. Um, and I think there's that, that particular appeal as well of um, Brisbane being first cab off the rank to be able to be the first. Ah, uh, the tickers, up. okay, um, yes. Yeah, the festival beers and ciders um, before they then move on. Uh, and also, you know, Brisbane, it was it was 29 degrees on that day of Gabs. It's the hottest Gabs event in history. Yeah, we're sorry about our event, uh, so terrible weather. It's awful, man. We've, uh, <laughs> no, we're, we're definitely, um, we'll be back, don't worry. Uh, but yeah, so I think I think we did see a lot of people travel for it. We had a great deal with, um, I think, the Novotel, uh, who were offering special discounts to uh, travelling attendees and so on. Um and attendance-wise, I think we, we did well. I mean, there's, there's never going to be an event manager in the world who doesn't want to sell more tickets. But yep. um, for our first hit-out, we're, we're sort of um, looking at we got 5,800 people through the doors throughout the day. Um, the first session was definitely a bigger one, and, and that sort of follows the trend we see in Melbourne and Sydney. I don't know what it is. Australians just seem to like daytime drinking. Uh, okay, I'm glad about that because Pete and I had a bit of a chat before we threw to this I- interview about whether it was Brisbane because Brisbane doesn't seem to be, you know, Brisbaneites don't seem to like to go out um, for featured events unless they have to um, of an evening. Um, and how did it go with pre-sales versus walk-ups? Uh, 90% pre-sales, so okay. which, which is, again, very, very similar to all of our other events. Um, I probably was expecting a few more walk-ups, to be honest, but... Uh, and that's based on feedback that I've had from other event organisers in Brisbane who um, generally seem to see a lot more people walk up on the day. Um, but I guess we've kind of, we, we've built gabs now to the point, particularly in Melbourne and Sydney, where, you know, we do sell out sessions in um, in all of our other cities. So I, I guess it's it's probably um, given people that pre-perception that if they want to go, they want they need to buy tickets early. Mm. Um, yeah, but overall, like we're, we're, thrilled with it as a first hit out in a new city um and we, we really do give these things um a long-term commitment to to grow and build and and the beautiful thing about that venue at the convention center you know it's right on the it's right on the river uh there's a, a lot more room to grow further um just within that space and make it a, a massive day and congratulations for turning that cavernous aircraft hangar of a uh, venue into something that had uh, you know, a bit of personality and you know and, and, and vibrancy about it yeah look it's something um i remember when uh when steve and guy first brought the event to auckland um they were quite nervous about it because the auckland venue is, is very similar it's a showground style it's just a big box basically so they were worried that without the kind of the magic of the Royal Exhibition Building or in Sydney at the time, they were at Australian Technology Park, both beautiful venues, you know, how could they recreate that that sort of atmosphere? And it was only until they, they built the event up and they realised that, you know, once you add in two kilometres of festoon lighting and about a thousand lanterns and all the lights and stage and uh, signage and so on, that you really can create that Gab's atmosphere in any sort of space. Um, <laughs> and and uh, that's, yeah. probably, that's probably a good time to sort of you know just people who who sit there and sort of wonder why an event costs inverted commas so much to to go to 
that's a not only buying two kilometres of festoon lighting and lugging it uh, from city to city, but then having the army of people who can install that and more. Um, that they're, they're, yeah. they're monumental undertakings, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we've kind of taken the approach of um, uh, building up our sort of event stock over the years, and we've been operating for um, eight nine years now in Melbourne. And you know, even even one of those uh, container bars, so the the forty uh, foot reefers lined with one hundred hundred and twenty taps on each container. You know, just setting up one of those is, is probably a good sort of fifty thousand dollar venture in itself. Uh, and we own three of them. Mm. Um, and then you throw in, you know, um, five six hundred sets of beer hall tables and benches, the festoon lights, banners, bunting, lanterns. Uh, like we we basically ship. To Brisbane, um, we, our smaller kit will send up uh, about six container loads full of stock, uh, and then for Melbourne and Sydney, it's, it's another couple of containers on top of that as well. So, it, it is a monumental exercise, and um, and we do have literally an army of people that kind of very strangely all come together for this four-day period of building the event, running it, and then breaking it down, and then we don't see each other again for the, the next twelve months. Um, it's it's a yeah, it blows my mind how we manage to do it sometimes. Oh, uh, congratulations. And you know, look, really, really well done uh, for the first effort. And I'm glad to see that people uh, did get behind it. Oh, look, Brisbane, Brisbane embraced it on every level and, and uh, we're thrilled with the turnout. I think the attendees were, were just fantastic, um, very well behaved, seemed to really get into the, the kind of atmosphere and the vibe of it. Um, and Brewers, uh, you know, all the feedback I've had so far has been really positive, which is, um, which is really, you know, heartwarming for us and, now it's just heads down, thumbs up until Melbourne in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to it. Well, we'll have the uh, Radio Brews News Live studio. Yes, fantastic. Looking forward to that. Congratulations and thank you very much for joining us on Brews News Week. No worries. Cheers, man. Thanks so much. There we go, Prof. Uh, and, and that was my little catch-up with uh, uh, Craig um, after we recorded our show, so we won't pretend that you know what was going on. No, but uh, I've listened to him. I know what he would have said. <laughs> anyway, on with the news. Uh, Matt. There's one alcoholic drink that you should avoid if you're trying to lose weight. Is it A, something really fattening, um, <laughs> B, um, a McDonald's milkshake, or C, craft beer? Yeah, and look, I, I, I shared this in the um, in, in the Facebook group. Um, yeah, it wouldn't have picked you as a GQ reader, I must admit, Matt. No, no, it, I, I've just got a couple of news searches um, that come up... Uh, you know, that tell me when craft beer is mentioned, just so I can sort of keep an eye on on, on the news. And this was one that that came up, but I, I shared it because it, it it's one of my bugbears. And you know, for, for um, Radio Brews News Bingo, low carb would be one of the things that you know you could almost guarantee yeah. me uh, railing against. And 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 I have done for ten years. And it's it's funny. I've got no issue with low carb beers. There are a lot of people that want low carbs. It, it's, it's, it has a functional purpose, but they are invariably marketed by brewers. Um, you know, using a whole lot of dog whistle terms like for people wanting to explore a healthy lifestyle, um, and it's always been um, picked up by the media. And, and sometimes it's even more overt than that. Like the Han Super Dry um, was just this horrific camp, um, basically saying if you drink regular beer, you're going to get fat and have boobs. Um, so drink this instead. Um, and 
you know, I've had some interesting conversations around this over the last week where some people sort of say, well, you know, you need to give the market what it wants and it's just a legitimate marketing term. But for me, separating that functional element from going that next step and hinting that it's better because articles like this one um, in GQ are the natural end result that there is just this easy, lazy um, perception that beer is worse than a whole range of other drinks. Um, and you know, and, and you're actually playing to that perception that brewers have helped create. Um, yeah, and the interesting takeouts from that, and we've um, listed them in the in the show notes, I guess. Um, there's a an author that GQ spoke to, and his book is Lean Habits for Lifelong Weight Loss. Uh, recommended that those hoping to lose weight without cutting out alcohol completely should try to avoid high alcohol craft beers because they're full to the brim with unnecessary calories. Quote: The last five years have seen an it should be has seen, uh, have seen an explosion of craft brewers, breweries creating high alcohol varieties which pack more calories per bottle than you may realise. Strictly speaking, that's true because the higher um, the alco- alcohol is essentially pure energy, um, which is you know kilojoules, um, and a lot of the low carb beers, um, the, the the carbs contribute very very few um, you know calories to a beer because there are so few in there and but it's the alcohol so if you look at the yeah. abv of most low-carb beers when they start talking about the number of kilojoules it's actually um the alcohol that they've taken out because they tend to be much lower in alcohol as well um so that in itself isn't um uh, you know isn't a problem but if you're going to sit I, down and have six okay. low-carb beers you're still going to be consuming. Well, you know, they've got no flavour. Exactly. They've got no mouthfeel because they don't have the carbs in. Bucket of Corona, please. Yeah, you're still going to consume far more calories than you are if you have one 8% IPA. Be very, I just sort of think that um, you know, brewers need to be very, very careful about strip mining um, easy um, targets um, to push one functional beer um, because it does damage the um, category as a whole. And look, it's unlikely too, Matt, that uh, somebody rocks into the local tap house here in St Kilda, as an example, and orders uh, Hawker's 2018, you know, barrel-aged barley wine at 11.2%, has a sample of that and goes, yeah, actually, yeah, give us a pint of that and then set the next one up ready to go. You're less likely at those higher alcohol beers to to have another or you're going to have it in smaller quantities. But like you say, you know, how many places do we see around that offer specials on, um, you know, buckets of, of Corona? Um, and just keep topping them up because yep. those guys are drinking six or seven before they're actually achieving any satisfaction mm. in, in their palate and are probably drinking more calories than, than the guy who has the, the one barley wine. But when I see, you know, and, and like I, I get sort of quite angry when I see those sorts of um, headlines because GQ is going to have a much wider, much more influential, attitude-changing um, impact on... Yeah. Well, uh, be, be seen the, as more authoritative... Then, but but then, and well, and also, then a um, craft brewery magazine like uh, you know Brews News or Crafty Pint or some of those, which by their very nature are a little bit in in the niche, um, and unle- you know, it, when mainstream journo's are writing that way about beer, it can only hurt the category. Um, yeah, but anyway, so so I think that we've got that on my ground prop. Yep. And look, I think our listeners and readers are lucky to have people like us who can dispel these myths and point out the hypocrisy and the ridiculousnesses 
for what it is. But we're singing to the choir already, Prof. You know, and, and that's the thing that it's when when you get mainstream media. Yeah, but they, they tell two friends, and they tell two friends, and so uh, on, and so on, yeah. and so. On. But it, it, it's still easier if you start with a million friends each telling. Um, <laughs> then, then, then I say actually, just one last one before I follow on about that. Um, that's one thing, but then I just can't believe the number of. Um, craft beer people or you know beer people um who rail against headlines like that but then they share there's something came up in my facebook feed this week about the seven stages of the beer belly where you know at one end of the picture there's a skinny 17 year old with his shirt off and then you know as the 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 seven guys in the line they they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger beer bellies until you've just got this you know guy who looks like he's spent a year jab of the heart yeah jab of the heart um, but with their shirts off. But the number of beer people who, you know, yuck it up and lols um, with that sort of thing, which, you know, on one level there is something funny about it, but you, you, you're essentially sharing and contributing to this perception and, and you're sharing the worst aspects of the product that we really love. And then we get really upset when you do see headlines or you, you, you do sort of see crackdowns on, on beer or the, the finger being pointed at beer or, you know, Pete Brown loves to rail whenever there's a negative story about alcohol violence. It's always a, a pint because all of these things contribute to a really negative perception um, about the product that we love. Exactly. And in an episode where we weren't going to do a deep dive, we now don't have any more time left for headlines. So thanks for joining us, listeners. <laughs> no, not quite. We've still got plenty of time. We do. But we've also got plenty of headlines to get through. Talk about irresponsible drinking. Let me take you back to 19th century England (laughs) and the shocking beer consumption. In England in 1831, there were 5,419 common breweries, 23,582 full-licensed pubs that brewed their own beer, and 11,432 beer shops that brewed their own beer. Uh, over 40,000 breweries in in all. Uh, The country's population at that time was 12 million. Uh, that would require, um, in today's money, 187,000 <laughs> breweries today yeah. to service that same pop, the the equivalent population today. I just sort of England. Uh, <laughs> throw that in. That was a um, tweet from our good friend Martin Cor- that was Cornell. Martin Cornell, yeah. Um, who actually, uh, while and while I was reading that, I sort of you know, got stuck in the rabbit hole of going, uh, you know, to all of his old um, posts, and one of the ones that. Uh, captured my attention was this commonly quoted thing that you know in the the middle ages they used to drink beer not water um oh yeah because it was safer as if it was exclusive and one of the jokes i've always made at my tastings is you know because they you know they they realized that um you could drink beer made with the same water that would make you sick and the beer made you fine um and and then i sort of finished my own thought by sort of saying Surely, at some stage, someone clued to the fact that you know, just you could have just boiled the water and drunk the water. Um, but you know, beer is much more fun to drink. But he uh, actually debunks that myth as well. Um, so I just sort of throw that in. But, so pop over to his blog, which is Zithophile. Uh, Zithophile, Z- yeah. Or Zithophile, um, if you want to pronounce it incorrectly. Yep. Um, no worries. Not, at all. Hey Matt, knock knock. Um, <laughs> uh, what's in a name? Understanding the recategorization of bitter. We talked a little bit about this last episode. What last episode or the episode before? Again, it was another oh, it was Martin too. Cornell who was talking about um, how bitter, you know, what the classic English bitter is now being renamed Amber Ale. And Pete Brown, um, another of our favourite beer writers, 
picked that up and gave a great, um, you know, one of those uh, sensory explanations for why um, Bitter may be losing, being dropped from from its name. Yeah, as a so studies show that certain words can be off-putting in food and drink, um, and bitterness is associated in nature with poison. So how can breweries market their beers successfully as bitter? And this links in a little bit, and I don't think, I don't know whether there's an actual anthropological link, um, but I think some people have tried to kind of draw a connection or a nexus between the fact that you know beer has been you know. I guess more, uh, particularly more recently, a blokier sort of drink and that beer has also been sort of heading towards more about a bit of a a one-dimensional bitterness. Um, And there's a thought that, well, you know, back in the hunter-gatherer days, it was fairly early on um, conceded that the women were the ones who could have the children. uh, So they, I guess, needed to be protected in terms of keeping the the tribe or the flock or the herd um healthy and so the men would go out and lick the berries to see if they were poisonous before they'd bring them back and and there's perhaps an an evolutionary thing that we developed well ed we have a higher threshold to bitterness we we do have an aversion um again uh, all of this is speculative because we don't know but one Mm. of the things that uh you know we we do have an aversion um as babies to bitterness if you put something bitter in a baby's mouth they'll spit it out, spit it out and look at you um you know why are you trying to kill me basically um and that's why kids you know um children avoid bitter and like sweetness um it, it's it's the easy calories and against the poison but then as you get older um you become more and more you know, willing to, to you either acquire the taste for bitterness. And, you know, I, I think back to, you know, when, when you're a six or seven-year-old, um, you'd be at your grandparents' house, the parents would be sitting around drinking a pot of tea, you'd want to join in that ritual. But when you had your tea poured, it was half milk and then you'd lump in seven sugars because you didn't like the bitterness of tea. Um, but then as you get older, as a 22-year-old, it's very, very uncool to sit at the coffee shop um, putting seven teaspoons of sugar into your, uh, you know, in, in, into your flat white um, because you've, you've, you've acquired the taste for beer. Now, again, without any sort of scientific basis for this, when beer was very much a blokey drink that was, uh, and most of the lagers were bitterness without a hell of a lot of flavour, um, yeah. you know, whilst a, a young woman may have had the um, social conditioning or social pressure to acquire a taste for tea and coffee because that was what you consumed socially, it was really the blokes um, who, you know, sat at their dad's knee, poured the beer, and you know, recoiled from the, the bitterness of it. And dad son, um, oh, son, it's an acquired taste, but it's a taste worth acquiring. And you have that sort of cultural um, pressure to, uh, or your know, cultural conditioning to overlook the bitterness and drink beer. And I, I mean, I, again, it, it's it's not a hundred percent, but I don't know too many young blokes that liked beer um from their first taste because of that bitterness and that's one of the things that's been pressuring brewers to make their mainstream beers less and less bitter like corona because in the face of all of the choices that we've got with cider and the very sweet canadian clubs and things like that blokes aren't hanging around long enough to acquire that taste for for the more bitter beers um anyway that's the way that i've um the theory together prof yeah it is interesting because uh, one of the most uh, 
well engaged uh, seminars that we had at Brisbane Gabs was IPA in 2019, what does it mean? And one of the most contentious things was, you know, what actually is an IPA? And there are some brewers who sort of say, look, if it's not this and it's not this and it's not this, don't call it an IPA. But then we've kind of got this thing of it, it's become a marketing term rather than a BJCP, you know, kind of defined guideline in the consumer's eyes. So, and know, that's kind of the reverse of what we're saying. Whereas if you say bitter, people avoid it. But if you say IPA, you know, oh, good, I'll have that. Angle. Yeah, but then I'll, you I'll get. That but you're happy to drink a, a 3.5% beer that's got some, you know, tropical uh, hop character. And you go, well, geez, 10 years ago, you would have been, you know, um, marched off the, the pier. For calling daring to call that an IPA. Now yeah, I'm going to get some emails with this one, Prof. But see, I actually see, um, you know, uh, brewed IPAs and the, the the juicy IPAs as being part of, you know, and I, I, I'm not strictly um, saying this, but you know, it's almost the coronas of the craft beer world, um, not from lack of flavour, but from lack of bitterness. Um, you know, in the mainstream beer market, there has been a gradual lessening of bitterness in in lagers. And the IPA was once quite a challenging, bold, aggressively hopped and bitter um, style of beer, whereas a lot of the modern incarnations are sweetening um, or fruitening the, the, the flavour, but finding ways to get lower IBUs into it. Yeah, but th- this feisty discussion basically said, okay, that's fine, but find another name for that, that that's not IPA. So that we, I guess there's a little bit of a, a feeling that we perhaps protect the provenance of of IPA. No, because um, it's a constant evolution. It's, it, it, yeah, I, no, I and, that, and that's the other side of the argument, 100%. Did, did yeah. you ever watch the TV show The Wire? You know, about the, I think it was Philadelphia. Philadelphia? Yeah. Yeah, uh, South Philly, I think. South yeah. Philly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they, they had this discussion where they were sort of eat, eating fish and chips or something like that, and they were talking about red, um, like it was red fish or which was just a Raw marketing... Fish? Um, no, it was it was it was a it was a, just a fish, but there's no lake around here. Shops. But it was, oh, yeah, okay. but there was just. You know, I'll see if I can find the link um, on YouTube so I can pop it in there. But it was a great, you know, sort of very great, you know, very basic discussion of how a name, um, you know, you, you call something something and it can suddenly sell when it didn't before. Um, and, and and beer is filled with those sorts of things. And I don't call it an IPA if you want, because a Nipah isn't an IPA. If you call a, a beer an IPA like a straight IPA that isn't an, an IPA, you are going to get held down. But as soon as you put Nipah or you know, Milkshake or whatever, um, people know that it's not you, – you're not confusing people. Possibly. And to any of our uh, American friends listening, can you please also clarify something for us? The rest of the world knows that a tuna is a fish, uh, unless it's the guy who makes your piano sound right. So why do Americans have to say tuna fish? I don't know. I'm waiting for cards and letters. Okay, you do that, Prof, and let's move yeah. on. Uh, you just got me on there with the uh, with, with the fish. Okay, uh, Matt, can the CS, CSIRO justify their pro alcohol research? <laughs> Fair says no. What say you and James Omond? This was a very interesting one, and. Uh, uh, Fair to say, I think we'll get some cards and letters and get the discussion and get the conversation going. Yeah, look, and, and look, I posted this again in the, in the just the Facebook group just to see what they thought. But you know, as I said at the start, look, I'm really cautious about promoting drinking. Um, I love beer; I drink it every day. But I, you know, very strong um, views about the problems that alcohol creates and the way that we represent ourselves as beer drinkers. And I get really upset when. Uh, 
this is the episode where Matt details everything that makes him upset. I think, Prof. But um, you <laughs> know, this, we're, we're, well, there, there's there's the uh, we've got the title for our episode. Yeah, but like morning television hosts who love to tee off about the you know problems of, of of drinking and things like that, and yet the day after the grand final, they'll have the uh, winning captain on uh, from the, the the team, and the first question is. You know, how much you drink last night? Or how did you, you pull, pull up, up this, this morning? morning? Which yeah. is basically the only way you can celebrate a grand final is to get shit faced and barely be able to make it into the radio, into the TV studio. And that, you know, that mindset is a really big part of what drives um, our um, abuse of alcohol. Um, and you know, celebrating, you know, in, instead of catching up with a group of friends. Um, and so saying, oh, didn't, didn't we have a lovely conversation last night, or didn't we enjoy each other's company last night? So how would you pull up? And there was just this um, passive, uh, um, you know, acceptance that you're going to be hungover. Um, and so, so yeah, so so I come. I'm absolutely not a pro alcohol crusader. But yeah, no, the, the foundation for alcohol re- research and education um, is a government funded organisation that, despite its name. Is actually like they they just come across as absolute neo prohibitionists. And when you get to, is this the new the new version of the Temperance League? Well, is this you know they're, they're supposedly the touch shall never touch mine. But every you know and and they they do make a couple of good points. They're the ones that are leading the the campaign to break the nexus between alcohol and sport and things like that. Which um, you know there are arguments on both sides but when they come out and say that the CSIRO is basically a trojan horse for the alcohol industry um you know because they the, the CSIRO um developed the goon bag um and well they also developed the pride of ringwood hop they they did which again <laughs> that's in the that that's, puts them in the pocket of of, of big beer um <laughs> But you know, it, 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 it's it's scientific breakthroughs, and it, they're doing exactly what they should do. But anyway, I, I just shared that because I just sort of think that, I mean, I, I yeah, I don't know what to do about it because they do have the ear of government, they do have the ear of the media, um, and the media picks up on any of their statements, and including the the one that James um, Omond um, picked up on. Um, that fares off-quoted $36 billion per annum claim as to damage caused by alcohol in Australia has been debunked by real economists. But they push it at every opportunity to try and give it credence. You know, and the, the, the media picks it up, which is the nature of our media. They so don't... That's, that's a, it's a massive number when you think about dollars and to have that thrown around. And I, was, I, I must admit, I just read that and, and thought, oh, geez, yeah, okay, there's, you know, got that figure from somewhere. For, for James to come out and say, no, that's, the, the figure's wrong. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, I, I, I don't know what they've looked at, but, you know, if, if you do take, um, you know... Well, if you, if you look at their quote, Matt, that uh, whistleblower Dr Newman says, our premier science institution has a deep-rooted culture of being pro-alcohol industry, and it is remarkable that CSIRO continues to knowingly support a commodity that causes significant death and harm. Now, I would suggest that uh, alcohol does not do any of those things. It, oh. it may be a contributing factor in the same way that I didn't wear the correct shoes and I was a bit drunk and so I slipped and fell. Well, it's not just the alcohol. And secondly, I, I, look, Matt, I don't know. I, I just don't believe that alcohol is going to make me do anything that I am not otherwise capable of doing. It may reduce the um, my inhibitions or my ability to control my, myself or my you know reflexes. Um, but it's at the end of the day, it's something I'm capable of doing. 
So to me, we don't have an alcohol problem. We have a dickhead problem. Yeah, and I don't go quite as far as you on that one, Prof. But, um, you know, I think it also doesn't look at the positives um, associated with social consumption of alcohol, the responsible social consumption of alcohol. We've spoken to Professor Charlie Bamforth on a number of occasions, and beer has the the highest levels of uh, soluble silica. Yeah, again, I'm always really loath to try and make beer into a health drink um, because then you get... You know, no, no, but I'm just saying, in, we know that every cigarette does you damage. And because people always draw the comparison, well, but what about, well, smoke's illegal, you're trying to ban them, well, we should ban beer. No, because not every beer, as its very purpose, is designed to do you harm. No. And in, and in moderate quantities and, and, and sensibly imbibed um, can actually promote, you know... Not, not, yeah, okay, we can't say health benefits, can we? But it is, it that, you know, it has some health benefits for you, I'll say it. Yeah, no, but also, I, I don't think it does because it, but the, 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 the amounts that are in beer are so trace that by the time you've consumed enough to get any um, health benefit from a beer, you've actually harmed yourself through alcohol. But, uh, you know, it, it, it is in responsible terms, you know, in responsible consumption, neutral. It, it, you know, as you said, it, every cigarette harms you, um, but having one or two beers um, is, I understand, health neutral. But it, yeah, so so it, it is health neutral. But then there are a whole lot of benefits that come from the the socialisation that comes around it, and you know, there, there's a lot of anthropomo- anthropological studies around how we've evolved as humans. Um, you know, sorry for any creationists out there, but you know, from from our early monkey days, that one of the reasons. There is a theory that one of the reasons we feel good when we drink, um, you know, small amounts of alcohol is because we're hardwired. Um, you know, alcohol is a very important uh, factor in our evolution. Um, it allowed us to eat uh, secondary fruits that had, you know, that were otherwise spoiled and had alcohol in. If we couldn't metabolize the alcohol, it actually was a poison. So our evolution was assisted by our ability to break down alcohol. But then also it's hardwired into us to seek others out when we are having moderate amounts of alcohol because it made us, gave us uh, like a, a, a posse to hang around with, for want of a better term, that meant that, you know, like it, it, it's the drunken monkey hypothesis. Drunken monkey, Google it. Drunken monkey posse. And, uh, yeah. if you, it, and listeners who want more information on that would do well to search uh, ABC Conversations uh, a couple of years back with uh, Richard Feidler. There was that, or, uh, yeah, I also had a You podcast. guys did get into that. I listened to that this week, and it was uh, it was terrific. Yeah, and, and also another one I did for RSCQ where we talk about all of this as well. So, yeah, so we won't, we'll save that uh, for another podcast. And for those wondering, yeah, you know, we're not trying to upset creationists, so let's just say um, a baby Jesus invented the monkey. Now, <laughs> well, did, did, we... did you see this week in New Zealand, Prof, that the flat earthers um, are, are gathering from around the globe um, to, to attend their conference? I think that's an old meme, isn't it? Well, that was the headline, yeah, in stuff, but um, anyway. They gathered around the disc. Um, Stonewood Brewing is to open by spring, Hallelujah. They might even no, get there. with Brisbane. They, they might even get there quicker than Brewdog Prof. In, in fact, <laughs> which which did it did it did it did Brewdog update, Matt. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Look, uh, do we do we really want to? Um, but look, well, I did I did see on one social media post or one I saw that uh, I saw Matt and uh, I saw uh, James and um, 
and Martin brewing a beer on an aeroplane in the... Um, no, they didn't brew a beer. They did a little did. bit of... No, they did it in the... They, they brewed a whole a beer place. and then no, they... you saw the tray and that was beautiful, crystal clear beer just made with um, the, coffee plunger. the coffee machine. <laughs> Sorry, there were three coffee machines. There was the the, ma- the mash tun, the kettle and the lord and the, yeah, fermenter. Yeah, But anyway, so last week after we recorded... Uh, and, and, it's fair to say that last Thursday night, Prof, my social media lit up. Um, you know, it must have been Thursday morning in the UK. Um, James got up, our brew dog James got up and decided that he was going to sort of uh, light up Matt Kierkegaard's uh, social media account because he posted, because Brewdog posted um, photos of their um, Brisbane brewery that, uh, you know, that they quoted as, we're just dialing it in, which if I have said that we're just dialing our brewery in, what does that mean to you? Well, I don't know, but I think is dialing it in um, a, a local Aberdeen um, <laughs> euphemism for putting a roof on a shed. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, so they, they shed more of their high res three D renderings that made it look like the brew dog um, was ready to but go. You, yeah, you, so you posted an actual photo showing that at least they do. There's at least a framework that's going on to, well, to put. I- I posted that weeks ago, but um, our listeners and people that obviously follow me on Facebook just were waiting because as soon as they saw it, everybody's tagging me in their replies to to James, (laughs) um, which is quite funny. And Facebook, go and have a look at the Brewdog Australia Facebook page. But uh, yeah, so I I did just take another spin over um, just to see just how much... Well, actually, I went over to see if there was even anybody on site because progress is, is very, very slow. And yes, there were. There were about four people that I could see on site. They do have a roof now, so that's two, two of them would have been security to make sure you didn't get in. <laughs> when I pulled out the camera to take some photos, there was a lot of interest in who is this bloke taking photos of of the site. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no progress isn't um, racing ahead. It would be fair to say. But the good news is um, in the headlines this week that um, Stone and Wood have have got their their development approval. Um, through the Brisbane City Council, and the work is recommencing. There was a some structural issues uh, with with part of the building, which had slowed everything down. Um, they were hoping to have been open by now, I think, but we're now looking at uh, sort of August September. Yeah, yeah, which again is is very very quick. But you always want, you know. I, well, I, I think guess... everything. To be fair, everything was pretty much ready to go, and and it's not like you know other. The equipment's, you know, stuck on the wharf. The stainless they, they, is you know, they, being yeah. built. It's, it's all ready to go. They, they, it, they've got they their... just had to have a hold up because there was a dispute or a, uh, structural issues that were discovered when they were... I think it was actually town planning issues because it was a... It's a historic... It's The, the, the building is in a commercial zone or in the, in the valley, but the building is historic and there was some, you know, negotiation around getting permission to do what they needed to do without actually changing the integrity of the building. Yeah, but, but good to hear that those problems have hopefully been resolved and um, onwards and upwards, and now it's a race. So and I see. wonder whether they're going to scale back the size of their brewery, Prof. I'm willing to bet not. I would think not. Um, the Big Shed guys, too, I think, are going to have theirs open around spring. I think they uh, – around no, sorry, about six months, I think it was, it was going to take. So uh, good to see, you know, some big growth. And – Interesting too from that chat that I had with the Big Shed guys that uh, that originally I think like a, a applied for some grants that were available didn't get them, but basically went back to uh, now I'm going to say it was state government rather than council and got a million uh, dollar interest free loan I think was yeah it? or a low yeah just sort of well look we're still going to employ all these people we haven't qualified or we didn't get you know whatever it was we didn't get the 
the the grant that was you know specifically available for that but how about helping us out anyway and to their credit yeah okay yeah because you guys are going to employ a lot more people you're going to bring more people to the area um and i think yeah we're, we're kind of breaking down that fear um perhaps <laughs> that, uh, that <laughs> I, I, having, I, a, having a brewery in your backyard I, uh, I think there's a little bit more to it than that even i think they sort of said look we're going to do all of these positive things and you gave Pirate Life, which is owned by CUB, $2 million. <laughs> How about fair crack of the whip? And I, yeah. I, yeah. So I think there was a little bit of that as well. Could have been. That wraps up our headlines, unless you have anything else, Matt. There's not a, a, a stone roundup, just Brewdog this week? I didn't want to mention it, Prof. You raised it. <laughs> I did. No, I did. We'll jump into the mailbag. Uh, now, don't forget to review us on iTunes, or you can send us uh, an email. Uh, but the, doing the thing on iTunes, and Matt, actually, would you like to give us a little bit of a, we had a bit of a chat off air during the week in a separate phone call um, about how the numbers work, and we should actually be, not blowing our own trumpet, but I think we should be a little bit more proud than we thought we were about perhaps the numbers that we're generating on a regular basis through this little podcast yeah um, as with anything we do this because we're speaking to um, the industry and people who you know are interested in a deeper dive into the, the beer news we don't sit here drinking beers um, and reviewing beers and, and that sort of thing um, so we don't necessarily want to because be... there are others who do that well and, it's, and, and it's very no, enjoyable no podcasts. All doing it. yeah yeah no, but, but that's not what um, no, we, we're we doing do. different um, and so I've never really sat down and looked at the metrics. Um, it, it is always very, very gratifying, Prof, when we're at beer festivals and things like that. The number of people in the industry that come up and say, hey, that was a great chat with, you know, the guys from Founders First or, you know, this was a great chat or, you know, hey, when you said this, I, I think you need to consider this as well. And so obviously yeah. the industry... So listened. really good feedback too on the Bale Breaker and all their various um, collab beers that they did with some good feedback on that too, that, that, that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, and, and to me, that's why we do it. Um, we're speaking to people engaged in the industry. But um, at the same time, I think we talked recently, I think we're in the top 30 food podcasts on iTunes. Um, consistently top 30 now, Matt. Consistently top 30. Um, <laughs> I think there might only be 30 in the yeah. whole thing, but, you know, hey. But, but I did learn, you know, I look at the traffic and, you know, we get something like um, somewhere up around the 10,000 downloads a month on our server. Um, but... Then it, I found out that the way that it works is so we, we put the file up on our server, on, on, on our podcast host, um, and I just sort of thought that the downloads were that. Um, but then there are all of these other podcast aggregators that actually will download it once to their server and then they've all of their traffic will go out. So, um, yeah, so... It, it, so, it, so you're it, saying, so if, 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 our, if our server... Uh, it puts it up, and then uh, you and I and someone else we download that. That's one download. No, but no, if, it's one download each. But yeah, then if but then if somebody, Google, it, for example, yeah, downloads the it download. and you get five hundred people, you, that's regarded. It still only one download, counts as one. But it could, ah. yeah. So, um, but anyway, yeah, look, that's just a little bit inside stuff. So uh, yeah, I've, I've always sort of tried to work out how do we reconcile the number of downloads I see versus you know the, the number of different people that. Um, speak to us about the, the, the podcast. Um, and yeah, anyway, so n n nice little thing. It's very gratifying. Quick shout out to, to uh, the SMS guys, the Sunday Sesh guys, Steve, Mick and Steve-O. Steve 
who I got to meet. I, I, I think you were busy, Matt. I tried to grab. I you caught up with. No, no, I did catch oh, up did? with them uh, cool. at the Gage Roads stand. So I had, had a very, very quick chat with them, and uh, yeah, it was, it was very nice to. to and a shout out to the boys, and, and thank you for your your very kind words. Um, and that's just by way of us thanking uh, all our listeners uh, for making this possible, but also, I guess, for for justifying it. Otherwise, it's you know, look, Matt and I are going to talk shit no matter what, you know, just to each other, or you know, just out into the ether. Um, I think, I guess, it's nice that we get an audience, but also that we get the feedback from you guys, which leads us nicely into um, our letter of the week. And all letter writers will receive a Bruce News bottle opener, even if you've had one before. Give it to a friend, share it, take it down to the holiday house like I have done. Um, you'll also go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack. Thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our Letter of the Week. And as we say every week, one or more of those uh, bottles or cans that come in your six-pack may have a label that was produced by Rallings Labels and Stickers. And we do thank them for sponsoring the podcast and remind you to call Rallings on 1300 852 235 to discover a more efficient way to get your small batch canning labels done. Just a little side note on that, Prof. Um, because we, we do have a lot of industry listeners and we do need to sort of try and monetize this as, uh, you know, ethically and uh, professionally as, as while keeping the content. But um, caught up with the guys from Hemingway's um, down at Cabs, Brisbane, um, Kansas uh, Big Brewery. Um, and we did a podcast with them uh, late last year. Yeah, which is, um, a, again, a, a terrific chat. And, and they've, they've actually asked us to go up and do our next uh, Hottest 100 countdown from Cairns. Um, so, Prof... <laughs> yeah, all right. Hang on. Uh, Joe, just can you mark this, please? Today is... It's, it's, it's the 2nd, 2nd of, of May, May, 2019. All right, so... Voting for the hottest 100 <laughs> has not even been thought of yet, let alone open. All right, we are going to Hemingways. We will be doing our live uh, reveal of the Gab's hottest 100 from Hemingways in Cairns yes. next year on Australia Day. Yes, got it. And there's going to be lots of puns about having beer in cans. Um, uh, so but, yeah, so we don't know the results. No, okay? no, yeah, 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 there are no results. I, I see. So, okay, I see why you did that. Go, oh, we know something because everyone goes, well, "You guys know something that we don't," and that's why you chose. No, no, we, we were approached to do it. Very, very exciting. But Prof, you are going to want to sort of work out. It's going to be bloody hot. It's going to be hot and steamy in January. That's, that's some good good beer drinking weather there, Matt. Yes. So anyway, so so that was very exciting. But the, the, the nice thing was, um, God, this is we, we need to charge around things more for this because. Uh, um, but Hemingway's, you know, they've got their cans. But when they do special editions, they had heard about the the Rallings um, service on the podcast, and Rallings are now doing uh, shrink wrap sleeves for them because it's so efficient um, and high quality. So uh, it, it was really nice to hear uh, Tony from uh, Hemingway say, "Look, I listen to the podcast. I listen to three episodes on the way up." And oh, by the way, we use Rallings. So there you go. If if you've got a product you would like to get in front of the Australian craft brew industry with the people. That's it. Can I jump in with the first? It's not in the show notes. Um, no, go. go. But th- th- this is the first letter. I wanted to really, um, got to be a little bit careful um, because we've been asked to keep it anonymous. It, it, very thoughtful, um, quite long letter. So bear with us, listeners. It's still going to be better than my long rambly um, conversation. She said, I have had various incarnations of this message sitting in my drafts folder since last year. And each time I've tweaked and changed it a little. Um, so I do apologize uh, for waking sleeping dogs um but she says cast your mind back to the episode where you covered a little issue that arose from black ops brewing not to rehash the reason for the podcast but something that has remained with me was a comment made by marketing extraordinaire zoe ottaway 
during the conversation, addressing that we needed to remember that the centre of all of the comments, backlash, social media commentary, at the centre, there is a person, a woman who, regardless of any feedback or opinions made directly to her own brewery, would be directly affected by, in a negative way as a result. Um, personally, I felt for that girl and every other brewer, sales rep, brewery, person, personality, supplier or business owner who have had comments ditched their way with a complete disregard for its impact. I genuinely love this industry. However proud is the furthest thing I feel when people, much of the time uneducated in the field, feel they have the right to comment and tear down the parties concerned. This leads me to my actual point and the ultimate effect of these comments, mental health. Poor mental health is alive and well in our industry, and it is comments like these that need to take at least some of the responsibility. I watch online as I see drinkers post drain poor pictures, state in a forum that a new release uh, beer tastes like shit, that the brewer must have been having an off day, or that a producer is boring. Sometimes the very fact that people are unable to articulate whether it is something as simple as the level of bitterness they don't enjoy and calling it a shit beer is even more frustrating than the initial post. Yes, everyone is entitled to opinion. Yes, everyone has different tastes. Yes, you are never going to make be able to please everyone, but does that make it okay? Take a moment to put uh, yourself in the brewer's shoes. This correspondent said, I watched as my partner, an educated, respected and award-winning brewer, made the tough decision to step away from the industry he loved for a period of time in order to put his mental health first. There were mornings when it would take me an hour to get him out the door, reminding him that his, he wasn't shit at his job, that he wasn't a failure, that the one person online who found the caps lock button doesn't get to decide if the lager he made was great or not. Let's take a moment to remember that there are people behind the amber liquid that you consume. For the majority, it is their livelihood. If it is their heart, their soul, and your two moments of keyboard warrior tantrum has an impact. Um, I think there's a little bit more, but I think um, that was that, just that the, gets the, co- yeah. the point across beautifully. Yeah. And 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 from a insider's point of view, it doesn't sound right, but it, but it, that's just making it real. Um, and I think too, yeah, I get annoyed. I, everyone is entitled to an opinion, and every opinion is valid if you can justify it. But saying something is shit um, says more about you than it does about your ability to critique beer. And I hope that that letter sort of says, you know, and it doesn't achieve any, your mates don't all think you're so much better because, you know, you've, you've done a sink pour or, or whatever it might be. Because um, I remember in my early days of drinking, Matt, thinking, geez, I don't know, you know, but th- this beer just doesn't taste right. I didn't think that was the brewer's fault. I thought I'm, I'm just not, I don't I know what this style is supposed to be about. Uh, and one of the beers that I just thought, no, I just can't drink this is now one of my favourites. Um, and again, it's that thing of learning about what it's supposed to taste like, learning the history behind it, and, and it's a it's a Weinstefan beer. Um, yeah. And at, at first, I just, you know, I thought, no, this is just wrong. There's just, no, nah, there's, okay, I, I'll, I'll remember this style and not buy it again. Um, later on, after you know, ten years of beer judging, um, I've realised it's the one of the finest examples of its particular uh, incarnation. Um, so yeah, let's let's. Be nice out there. Yeah. So move. But a great but, yeah, Thanks for great, that. But, but thank you very much, uh, unnamed correspondent. Um, and um, uh, a barblade will be winging its Can way I just to say too? Uh, P.S. Love your work. P.P.S. Stop giving Zoe a hard time about not coming on enough. We all know. Uh, we would all riot not to have her as the new host. Mm, well, funnily enough, I've actually sent because you're turned up at AIBA judging next week. 
Um, so uh, my chair is spare, man. and uh, I have sent her an email this morning, hoping that she'll come on as co-host next week. There you go. Anyway, Prof, we probably need to move on. We do, because um, we do have a few more letters. Next out of the mailbag from Glenn Watkins. Uh, this is from the email. Hi, guys. Long-time listener, first-time writer regarding your discussion on everything being called an IPA. Uh-huh. When they don't fit the definition of IPA. Just because a beer has IPA in the name doesn't mean it should fit the definition of IPA. If that was the case, then every IPA should also fit the definition of a pale ale, as it has a pale ale in the name. Pale ales are in the 4.5 to 6.2 range, refreshing, hoppy, yet with sufficient supporting malt. A lot of IPAs that don't fit that description. I think if the name is changed, i.e. Nipa or Brut IPA, then the definition of the beer can change as well. Love to hear your thoughts. Uh, love your work and am loving the slightly longer episodes as my commute is an hour a day. Thanks for that, Glenn. We do try to keep it under an hour, don't we? But, you know, because you've you got to get on the train, then get yourself settled. And But an hour does seem to be the the, the, the sweet spot, um, even though we were trying to make it shorter. The That's right. One hour but does as, seem to as, be. But as Richard Benny from um, Blackman's Brewery pointed out, this newfangled technology does have a pause button, and then when you press play, it'll it'll go back to where you where you left it off. Yeah, I know, but it's a little bit like watching a movie halfway through, or you know things like that. <laughs> you'd, you'd, yeah. Anyway, but um, keeping moving. Um, there, there was a lot of actually Grant McCarran was one, but uh, we did get quite a few people enjoying the uh, little um, thing Joe put in, putting us on on fast. Um, so yeah, we did any, get a few comments of that, about that. Anyone who does listen at one and a half and suddenly hit that <laughs> would, would, would have. Um, and I know a couple of people then went back oh, and put it on oh, half space. Oh, oh, oh. Um, Matt, our next letter <laughs> is from Wayne in Canberra. Uh, well, uh, I, I was actually, so I was just going to acknowledge oh, that. That's a little bit longer. We might even see if we can hold that over to next hold week. Hold the one over? For time. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, but th- thank you, Wayne. Um, we-, we will get to that, or uh, letting you know that we have read it. Um, Wade Curtis in the Facebook group. Um, <laughs> I-, I love an email that starts with shout me down uh, because but. that's how defensive. Um, but again, it's how defensive we are. But he did make it. He-, he was at Gabs. Um, tried, and he said that he tried a few beers that probably should not have let the let- left the brewery. Um, congratulations to those brewers who scratched their experiments. And I, I think that I-, I think that's a reasonable point there, Prof. Um, I, I know it's not good for the containers to have a lot of scratched um, beers, but I think ultimately, um, well, well, this is probably a discussion. Like okay. this could be a, a deep dive for our, our next episode because sure. I would also suggest that some brewers should be uh, implementing that same uh, intention to their core range. Yeah, it did get a lot of um, a lot of feedback on yeah the the purpose of the. Uh, the container bar beers, uh, how that has has changed. There are lots of pros and cons. If you're on the Facebook page group, have a look because there's some really interesting thoughts on that. It was a good point. And then also the whole discussion around the novelty beers um, because I know there was, a, yeah, there was a lot of discussions had on the floor of Gabs where you know they're, they're quite polarising. Um, ultimately, Gabs is those container bars and everything else um, fits around the the novelty that is those container bars. And I, I don't think you can get away from that. And I don't think that um, it would be as big a, and, and exciting an event if it wasn't for the Gabs beers. No, uh, 100%. Um, Dan Norris, also on the Facebook group, 
uh, just apropos our discussion a few episodes back about uh, CBD breweries and particularly in Brisbane. Hey guys, on the topic of CBD breweries, I remember quite a long time ago there was a place called, he thinks, Aurora's right in the CBD that I'm pretty sure was a brewery. Do you guys recall that one? It was indeed. Any info on it? And Upstairs. I got info from our historian Brett Stubbs. It was actually the, the brew house. It was upstairs in Albert Street. It changed its name to Brisbane Brew House, which is still trading. It the, the brew house itself has moved to a couple of different places and is now in the Brisbane Brew House uh, in West End. Um, but it had a storied history before that. I think it was one of the early craft breweries um, in Darwin and was was moved down. So I'm actually going to uh, see if I can dig. But I, that, but I posted that into. The, the Facebook group, so oh, anyone who wants to find out about that. But uh, And thanks to, just in uh, apropos, Matt, of follow-ups, Jeff Edney in the Facebook group uh, sent us, he's from Upwadonga Way, the northern um, borders region, um, sent in the sign for the toilets at the Goods Shed in Wodonga, which I've done a, a, a few dinners with, great people up there. And, and if, you, if you are heading up to Albury, rather than stopping in Albury, just pop in to the Goods Shed in Wodonga just before you cross the border and check it out. But, uh, yeah, qu- very clever um, well, male and female, but but that's one of those. You know, this is one where you have to be really careful these days, Prof. Um, because I, I saw that, and then one of our commenters posted. You know, so for those who haven't seen it, it's the form of a male, um, and then a form of a female sort from mid torso, mid torso down to mid thigh, upper thigh, um, yeah. and the male um, where his genitalia would be is a beer bottle, um, and the, the the lady is a. Um, wine glass but just the shapes of it sort of show you like it's a fairly inoffensive way to show you what would otherwise be there um and sarah in the the, the chat room made the post of saying is this saying that um i should well, be she, going, i drink beer so should i go to the left one to, to the left one and <laughs> again there, there is a level of that um that spot on but i i, I think we always also have to then look at intent um you know i, I don't think that Fairly, you can say that that's what this is suggesting that folks drink beer, women drink wine. It was more an illustrative device. Okay, you might be misreading. I, I know Sarah very well. She was a regular at okay. uh, at a, a, a venue that I used to manage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for those wondering, we had a, uh, a beer passport where we had uh, back in the days we you know lots of different. Um, not necessarily independent beers, but uh, international beers. And when you came into the restaurant and had particular beers, we'd stamp them for you. And uh, we had a, a little trophy board, and she was the first one to to complete in a very uh, moderate and sensible drinking way. Uh, but as a 23-year-old lass, uh, she was the first one to to complete it. So I think with it, Sarah is being – she's got a good sense of humour, so yeah. I don't think she was necessarily – uh, you know, okay. Like yeah, and, and casting any generous versions or well, anything well, like that. Well, I wasn't sure, and I, and I wasn't sure whether it was actually. No, sort of, I, yeah, um, Sarah. Hopefully, I'm I'm speaking on your behalf fairly. Um, but yeah, I I think she was making the the, the funny point that well, hang on, but I if I'm drinking beer, does yeah, that yeah, mean yeah, I yeah, go okay. to the but, one with the beer bottle. But again, she made it very reasonably, and actually, there's one thing I which is the whole point of our Facebook group, group. Prof. Yeah, but it, it, like that, that's the thing. It's the 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 level of discussion is. Uh, you know, having talked about drain pores and things like that, it is people actually chiming in and giving very varied points of view, but in a very respectful way. And I'm really enjoying it. So thank you to all of those who have contributed to the, to the Facebook group. But uh, yeah, we're well not, over not time. Not necessarily prof. under the uh, category of um, of sensible, but um, uh, Daniel Massey, who's a longtime loyal listener and uh, writer as well, uh, sent us in for those who are on the the Facebook page, uh, the Bruce News Bingo. Which has been uh, commented on, and it has been updated and uh, modified. 
uh, for a little bit, but there's a few, yeah, there's some there's, there's some cool stuff there. So have a have a, a bit of a look at that. I'm uh, just made the note. Should Flog be in there? I, I think Flog probably should be in there. Um, I think so. Yeah, Tay Tay, Booze, Free uh, Punter, Bottle versus Can. Actually, Prof, there was Matt, Matt goes off on a tangent. <laughs> yeah. I know we're running a little bit late, but can I just send a, a shout out? Fortieth birthday um, greetings and salutations to Dave Croft, uh, who's pretty, in the Sydney, um, based in Sydney, and one of. The, I know, look, I don't know whether it's the he's a moderator on one of the either Craft Beer Crew or Australian Craft Beer Lovers or one of those sort of things, but um, always. Uh, been a, a great beer advocate and is often posting, you know, different beers and that sort of thing. Perhaps a little bit too much on the um, the edge um, toast, the, the edge brewing um, toast beer. But I, I'm only saying that because I still haven't had one and I'm very keen to try it. So, Adam Betts or Dave Croft, if you're listening, just put one aside for us and look after us, please. Um, but not only uh, is it, you know, everyone's oh, it's a 40th birthday, so what? But David actually uh, organised holidays around doing a bit of a like a, a bit of a craft beer tour of of different states so that's a that's a pretty fair effort happy birthday dave and matt before we go i'm just going to sneak in a quick uh, burvale live music update i haven't done one for a couple of weeks but i drove past the other day and uh this is you know about the funny names of the so inexcessive i think we've already they're they're coming up uh i think in um in june um but the one that really caught my eye was um performing uh coming up very soon acdc Ah, okay. I've just looked them up. It's Australia's first all-female ACDC tribute band. There you go. Well, I was driving up the Sunshine Coast yesterday past the old Edamoga pub, and there was a tribute band called Akadaka. So maybe they should go on the road together. Uh, there's Akadaka. There's um, uh, Thunderstruck. There's an ACDC. There's a yeah, quite a few ACDC tribute bands. Actually, Prof, just as we go out, one thing that I was tinkering around with because uh, you were running a little bit late this morning is I went back to our old. Um, online t-shirt shop um and because we, we we apart from bar blades we don't do a lot of merch um but we do have, have our hop spread novelty and hype and quality consistency balance, uh, and, style. balance and style t-shirts that had fallen off the, the 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 way and we'd never actually printed them out because trying to print in in a, in a craft beer community you've got to have everything from extra small to Triple extra large. Yeah, triple extra large. And we just don't have the uh, resources to carry that sort of stock. Um, so we, we do have an online store where you can just sort of get it printed to your um, style. I was, I was actually going to do a discount. Um, so I, I will post that for our Facebook. So anyone who wants one of our T-shirts, um, they'll be able to get it at, a I think it's about 27 bucks for, for one of the T-shirts um, when you apply the discount. Oh, sweet. And that's for Hazy is Lazy? Uh, we'll have to get hazy as lazy um, and <laughs> make APA clear again. Well, I, I was going to get a make up yet, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like it. It's funny, but is you know, I, I don't want to make light of anything to do with um, Donald Trump. You know, I, I just don't know. He's, he's pretty. He's pretty good at, at making light of everything himself. Yeah, so he don't really need our help. I just don't see anything funny about him. So um, we'll, we'll we'll think about it. Anyway, let's get out of here, Prof. Done. Uh, thanks very much, listeners. Thank you very much to um, all of our, to, to Crime Alt, to Rellings Labels and Stickers, and to our good friends at Beer Cartel for supporting us. And also, also to Welcome all those other breweries <laughs> who sponsor and support us um, and uh, make this possible. As I say, it, it's not advertising, it's not donations, it's it, you are supporting us. So, uh, so thank you very much for all of that. And thank you very much to Joe yet again for uh, all her great work in making us sound good. Uh, good luck with this week's episode, which is titled, What Makes Matt Mad?
and we'll see you all again for the next episode. Cheers. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. Thank you.